Today's message has been brought to you by Faith Family Church in Billings, Montana. For more information, visit faithfamilybillings.com. In a little bit in review, last week we talked a little bit about intimacy. And one of the things we discovered is that intimacy is an understanding, it's to know, it's to discern, it's to discover. You know, that's one of the things I thought was kind of interesting. I think at some point in people's marriages, they, they get kind of past discovering one another. You know, they kind of think, well, I already know everything there is to know about this person. And then they surprise you. You know, my wife surprises me every day. <laughs> but I mean, that, it should be good that way. We should be looking at it that way. Um, the word was also to know absolutely. So we under, if we're discovering, we're trying to know our spouse absolutely. We want to know everything there is to know. And then we figured out that another way to understand a wife, you have to get into the science of it all. And then we discussed agape as an aggressive love. It is a choice. And is the word, that, the word when God says, God so loved the world, it was agape. When it says that a man should love his wife, it is agape. Yeah, we learned that when a woman is to love her husband, it is phileo, is a responsive kind of love. In that expressing her love for her husband. And we understand that in Christ we see him as the aggressor because everything he did was aggressive. Even when he loved people, he loved them aggressively. I mean, when he built that, that whip of cords, he wasn't doing it to be mean, but he was... You got to know when you're in the temple of God, this is how we treat the temple of God. We are not to make it a house and a den of thieves. Um, and so our response to Jesus is a phileo kind of love. We respond to that first love. Um, God so loved the world that he gave. And so we respond to that love by receiving. And we took his name, the name which is above every name, and we were moved by him to do his will because of his unrelenting love for us. So, today, building on that intimacy, I was going back through the book, Adam Loves Eve. Um, and you gentlemen, any of you gentlemen that have not read this book or have this book, get it. <laughs> Ladies, you can't read it. Sorry. It's not for you. It's for the guys. But one of the things in the subchapter, this is in the beginning of the book, actually, one of the subchapters, it stated that marriage is a test. It says, the authors note that a married man must learn to live like Messiah by dying to self and sacrificing for another. Marriage is God's higher education in spiritual education. And I thought that was pretty awesome, you know, to learn how to live. One of the other things that says in there is marriage tests a man's character. You know, we're all characters, but test your character. <laughs> so, you got it, good. <laughs> yeah, what's that? Yeah, some more than others, yeah. But the idea is that testing your character, you know, how do you love your wife? How do you love your wife? And it also says that marriage reveals the real man. And that sometimes is the kind of scary part because it does reveal all our flaws as well as our, as our good points. 
and we always hope our good points are better than our, our flaws. So in the book, it also talks about the lens. It talks about the way the people see the world is often called the worldview. So then what is the worldview of your marriage? And that gets right down to what is our marriage? What is your view of your marriage? Um, sometimes when I'm feeling a little, little blue or a little sad, which has been a little more lately than, than others, I sometimes go back to some of the old music I used to listen to as a, as a young man. And I was listening to a song the other day um, from uh, Kenny Rogers. It was written by Steve Gibb. It's called She Believes in Me. And I don't know if, if you folks have heard that song. But it's talking about a, a young musician who's trying to sell his songs. And he, he told his, his uh, wife, he says, he says, one of these days these songs are going to hit it. We're going to make it. We're going to be, we're going to be rich. It's going to work. But every day he goes to Honky Tonk and plays his song, and it never quite gets picked up. Nobody really appreciates the song. But he comes home at night, and the song goes, but she believes in me. She believes in what I said. You know, one of the things that's so important is when I was listening to that song, the Lord was spoke to me and says, well, do you believe in me? And that kind of rocked me a little bit. Do I believe in him? Do I believe in all the promises, the things that he has said to me? And so then I had to relay that to my wife. Does she believe in me? Have I given her cause not to? And so when you look, start looking deep in your own heart, you know, that just, yeah, there's probably some things that I've done or said that makes her take pause when I say we're going to go this way and it's like well we'll see and I'm sorry to say but oftentimes we as Christians we look at Jesus the same way Jesus says we're going to go this way you have that in your heart and it's kind of like we'll see we'll see and we forget that what all God has done for us and we get to that point says, well I don't know if I want to if I want to stretch out that far. So, in John 14, 1, uh, so I got to looking at faith and I got to looking at believe. In John 14, 1, it says, do not let your hearts be troubled, distressed, or agitated. You believe in and adhere and trust and rely on God. Believe in and adhere and also trust and rely on me. So then I had to look up the words faith and believe. Now, Brenna and I had some conversation about this because she, I was telling her, you know, you, you, you got to believe. You have faith. See, God gave us faith. You got to understand. He gave each one of you the measure of faith. Now, some scriptures or some translations have tried to change that into a measure but the problem is, if he gives you a measure, then he's a respecter of persons. So he says, well, I'm going to give Rocio more faith than Mike. And so, the, you know, there you are. Just picking on you, you know. <laughs> You're back. I can do it. <laughs> but what that does is then, well, he gave you more faith. He gave you more faith. No. He gave to each person the measure of faith. Because nobody can say, come back to God and say, you didn't give me enough faith. You didn't give me enough. What it tells us to do is build ourselves up in our most holy faith. 
So I was looking up the word faith and believe to try and get this together. And it was interesting that the Hebrew word faith is emuna emuna. Literally, it means a firmness or stability. Now, the Greek word is pistis. It says it's a persuasion or a moral conviction. And the Webster Dictionary says it's a strong belief or trust in someone or something. So then believe. So this is what God gave us. He gave us a firmness and a stability, the persuasion and the moral conviction. So then believe, the Hebrew word is aman. And it is to build up, foster as a parent or a nurse. The Greek word is pistuo, which is a takeoff of pistis. It means to entrust, to believe, or commit. And the Merriam-Webster Dictionary says to accept or regard something as true. But I liked <clears throat> what the Greek says, commit. You know, so you have faith, and something comes against you. The faith is there. But do you commit yourself? You know, <clears throat> excuse me. A lot of us were athletes when we were younger in different areas. And some of the kids are still, you know, <laughs> coming up in that area. But there's, there's a commitment, right? The commitment is I'm going to hit the gym every day. I'm going to work on that. Um, I wrestled in high school, so I worked on the different moves. I worked on strengthening my neck. I worked on strengthening my upper body. I worked on my balance. I worked on all these different things that we did. I committed to it. And that's the only way you're going to win. So I had to believe what the coach was telling me. You can do this. So I had to commit to that. So then I was still kind of pondering this. And he took me, he took me to Mark 11. And this is a scripture that we've heard so many times. But Mark 11:22. 22 through 25. And 22 says, and Jesus answering, of course we know this goes back to the uh, uh, fig tree. After Peter says, wow, look at that. It died. And Jesus answering said unto them, <clears throat> excuse me, said unto them, have faith in God. Now the original text on that is have the faith of God. So it's important to understand that the faith you have is the faith of God. It's not faith in God. He gave you his faith. I mean, if you think about it, he gave you his faith. And then he goes on to say, he says, Verily I say unto you that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, so now we're speaking something, be you removed and be you cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe, commit, that those things which he says shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he says. Therefore, I say unto you that whatsoever things you desire when you pray, believe, commit that you receive them and you shall have them. So I was looking at this and it was just, as, as a husband, I want my wife to commit to me. 
I believe I've committed to her in the agape aggressive love that I will mar- I marry you, I take care of you, I will have, I will do the best for our family, I will raise our kids in the admonition of the Lord. Of course, we weren't born again back then, but we did the best we could. And I will do these things. And that she would believe or be committed to my words. And so we run into this issue, says, what have I done to garner that trust? What have my, have my actions and my words, have they built up in her a trust to commit to me? This, if we're going to go this way, if the Lord tells me we're going to go this way, that she can come alongside and say, okay, you know, if the Lord says you're going to the Philippines, that might be a stretch. But if he said you're going to the Philippines, would she come alongside and say, okay, let's go. So in our marriage, and then looking at our marriage to Christ, when he tells us to do something, do we have that trust, that faith to commit? This is the hardest part of it all because we're leaving by faith. Jesus is no longer here physically. He's in heaven. We are seated at the right hand of Father in him. But he's telling us by his Holy Spirit, I need you to commit. I need you to do something. I need you to be part of something. Part of being this body that we are here, this group of people that come early in the morning to listen to the vessels of honor seems to be the same one that picks up a lot of the work around the church, be it in youth, be it in children's, whatever that might be. And I knew that was going to happen. (laughs) Please silence your phones. Um, but we, um, so we've committed to something and there's other people who come to church to receive, but they're not going to commit. And one of the things that we find about people that, that receive Christ, oftentimes we, we've really lately really been trying to get people to come up and fill out a card and to commit to giving us their name, to commit to giving us an address some way to commit to uh, talk to them. And we see a lot of people will get, they'll raise their hand to be born again, and then they'll walk out that door not to be seen again. And then Pastor Sean has, has tasked me with trying to put together a new believers class. And so one of the things we have, a part of our issue of the church is having time and room to do these things. And so we put, uh, going to do an online class. And so I sent out some invitations to the online class. The commitment was, now, that, that is disheartening, but on the other hand, people today aren't really taught about commitment. And part of that problem is how we have viewed Christ in our commitment to him. And I got to thinking about that. Every day of my walk on this earth, I'm supposed to show Christ in here, coming out through my words, coming out through my countenance, coming out through my actions towards my wife, towards other people. I'm committed to what he says. But do I show it every day? Do I show it to the point that people will come up and they say, wow, I see Jesus all over you. 
be honest with you, I have not had anybody say that to me. <laughs> it would be really good if I did. But, so I was looking at the word commitment, and I was working what it means to be committed to somebody. You know, when you're committed to somebody, a lot of people have this uh, idea of whether you're 100% committed or 50% committed or, you know, I'm, how much you're going to be committed to whatever. You have to be all in. For anything to work, for you to be a success at anything, you have to be all in. So for me to show Christ and my wife to show the church that committed all in, I have to be committed unto him all in. So that when I come in this church, regardless of where I am, whether I'm ushering, greeting, standing up here, just talking to somebody in a, in, out in the hallway, we're always bringing up Christ. We're always bringing him up. And it doesn't have to say we're saying Christ in every other word, but that's how, it's in our voice. It's in our actions. It's what they're seeing in our face. So I was looking at some of these words that we... I wanted to get back to the, the uh, Romans 12.3, which says, For I say through the grace given unto me, to every man that is among you, do not think yourself more highly than he ought to think, but think soberly, according as God has dealt to every man the measure of faith. You know, in the past, past few months, I've kind of struggled with the... Uh, the issue of the faith and the belief in the sense that how how do I persuade how do I persuade my wife that I truly love her you might say why do you have to do that because that's my job (laughs) if I'm going to truly love my wife I'm going to be persuading her every day because every day she has to believe that I have the best in my heart for her. Now, we sometimes, I think, maybe it's a little overboard, but I don't know if it can be. We say, I love you a lot. Part of that is that we are really driving home to each other, I love you. I care for you. I want the best for you. And I was thinking how every day as you read scripture, Jesus, the Father, is saying, I love you. I want the best for you. If you just submit to me and commit to me, how much greater your life could be. But how often do we say back to him, you know, Lord, I just love you. I am committed unto you. Whichever way you, you go, you want to go, I'll go. And sometimes that's a hard one because he asks things of us. He stretches us. I want you to know that being up here is a stretch. First time Pastor Sean asked me to speak, I stretched to do 20 minutes. And then I stretched to do 30 minutes. Now he's got me doing four and five, you know, like just if and I got it. 
think of things before, you know. But then, it, then I have to realize, no, it's not for me thinking about them. I have to trust in the Lord. Because what he gives me is for me. But because it's for me, it's for you. Because, again, he's no respecter of persons. And his idea of his love for us, the all-consuming, giving, agape type of love, is a love that wants no harm to come to you. If I truly love my wife, I don't want any harm to come to her. I will do whatever it takes to make sure that she receives no harm. It is only good for her. And that is Christ's love for us. What does it say about eating the good of the land? If we love him and serve him, we will eat the good of the land. If we love him and serve him, commit unto him. You know, I think we spend a lot of time on commit here, but it's one of those words that, that uh, is, I think it's important because too often our world, especially as we're seeing today, I mean, you look at the job market. There's people out there begging for workers. Uh, I was talking to a friend of mine that worked for Montana Silversmith. He says they're down 45 workers. He says he has kids come in there that are like 20, 21, 22 years old. They come in, they apply for the job. They sign a piece of paper that they'll take the job, and they don't show up. He says the people that show up are the ones that are 45 and older. It says they're the ones that are showing up. Which tells me, what are we teaching our youth? We've got the system set up now where just because of the pandemic and the... Well, I'm not going to go there. But, <laughs> but the, the way they're dealing with this, I'm going to pay you to stay home. So then we get a governor who comes up and says, well, we're not going to take those payments. Well, I'll tell you what, we'll pay you so much per kid that we still don't have to go to work. And so people don't go to work. And then we've got all the shipping problems in California because nobody will commit. You know, politicians don't want to commit. I will promise you that I will do this and this and this. And then when they get in office, yeah, you know, I, I promise that. But, you know, I had to go in and make some deals. You know, I have to make some deals to try and get the best of a, worse, of a bad situation. And we, the people, are not committed enough to say, you know what? You're out of here. We don't do that. I don't want to get political about this, but this commitment goes from the top to the bottom. If we don't commit... If, if I don't commit in showing my wife love, how can I expect my children to commit to show their spouse's love? If I don't commit to show them to vote and to study the voter registration or the voter information, how can I expect them to? If I don't commit to go to work every day to take care of my family, how can I expect them to? The commitment begins to wane. One of the things that we run into... In, in that is that we start seeing the next generation comes up and they're like, well, you know, there's other jobs out there. I can, you know, I can go through here. 
I can go through there. I can do this. I can do the other thing. And then it gets back to, well, how do I commit unto the Father? Well, you know, grace. You know, he loves me so much. He loves me despite my faults. I don't really have to commit to be in church every Sunday. I really don't, excuse me, I don't have to commit to be. I know they need some Sunday school teachers. I know they need some youth workers. I know they need some ushers and greeters. But you know, that just kind of cuts into my time. I mean, when church is over, I kind of want to be out of here. I just kind of want to go. I, you know, I'm so thankful. Luann and I are up here often with the altar care, but it's so good to look out in that foyer and see people visiting. They're not just... But are we committed to each other? You know, one of the things that I had to, to decide when I came to this church, is am I going to be committed not to the church, to my pastors? If they ask me to do something, am I committed to do that? Do I love them enough as my, as my over-shepherd to do what they ask? In a sense, <clears throat> the husband-wife relationship. He's representing Christ here as the over-shepherd or the under-shepherd of this church submitted to the true shepherd. I'm submitted to him so I have to commit to him. I have to show that commitment. What does that look like for you? I don't know. I just know that if we want the good of the land, if we want the good in this land, in this church, and in this body, we have to be committed. And I know some people have said, I should have been committed years ago. But, <laughs> <laughs> but the, the thing is, hey now. <laughs> But the thing is, commitment is not a taught thing anymore. I mean, even, even in schools, we don't really want the kids to commit to anything. Well, we want to be gender fluid. You can kind of make up your mind as you go. Uh, you know, maybe you feel this way this day, but you know next week you might feel this way. And we don't want to drive home truth. Truth is a commitment. Truth is a commitment. Do I live by the truth? Do I live by this? See, my, my father said that this is my contract with my husband. Everything in here is for me. Everything good. Now, he put some things in here that if I don't obey, it, it won't go well for me. But if I obey, if I am committed, it will go well for me. We have to teach that to our younger generation. But in order to teach it, we have to show it. You know, I think, well, I forget the statistics, but I think it's like you remember something like 5% of what you hear. You remember like 10% of what you uh, read. And I think you, re you remember like 90% of what you see. So when people look at us, our children, what do they see? What does my wife see when she looks at me? What, is, what does your family see when they look at you, your kids, your wife, your husband? It's, it's, it kind of, when you get down to it, it starts to get a little spooky. 
I'm supposed to show the love of Christ in everything I do, in every person I see, in everything I say. And yet, I know there's times that, well, I know she's had to correct me. Why would you say that? <sighs> yeah, why would I say that? <laughs> and there's times I've had to correct her. Come on. We're speaking the word. We're speaking the truth. I'm picking up some alternative hunting options here, so stick with me. <laughs> so when I was looking in that, that song, She Believes in Me, he was, he was a, a, a man that was failing, but he was declaring some things about how she believes in him. We have a husband who never fails us. So we believe in him to take care of us. We have to express that confidence in that. You know, where's your confidence? You know, I was getting back to when we were training for wrestling. Where's my confidence? You know, here's the thing about wrestling. It's an individual team sport. So, as a team, we have a team score. But the team isn't on the mat with me. It's me and the opponent. And we're wrestling and we're trying to find that position. And do I believe... I can take this guy. Do you ever notice, I mean, for those of you who have been in sports, um, do you ever notice that if you don't believe you can take this guy? You know, I, I think one of the things when I first started with the men's group, one of the things I said, it's that guy that's across the line from you when you're playing football, and he just has this attitude. He says, you're going to be mine all day. <laughs> and you're on the other side of the line, and you have a choice to make. Do I believe in my training and my team that I can look back at him and say, bring it? <laughs> you know? It, it's, a, it's, a, it's a strength in being committed to the program. In com being committed to Christ, we have a strength in our actions and our words. The devil comes along through another person and he says, I'm going to destroy you. And you're like, you can't. You're already under my feet. Yeah, but you don't understand this disease. Hey, it's under my feet. See, there's a commitment. There's a commitment in my words and in my walk. I am committed to what he said that is good for me, that everything he did for me is right and true, and I can trust in it to the very end. And I will stand on that. Commitment is such a hard thing for us because nobody wants to teach it anymore. We have to teach commitment just by what we do. Just, you know, sometimes it's like just being here on Sunday is a commitment. Being here on Wednesday is like, ah. <laughs> you know? I mean, honestly, and, and I know people have lives and, and everything. But there's, a, there's so many people have a commitment to be here Sunday morning because that's like their duty. If I'm here Sunday morning, I'm good for the week. And if we have a Wednesday night service, well, you know, supper gets done by now. And, uh, you know, well, you know, we probably won't do it because it's, it kind of gets in the way. 
And then, like, we have these, these Vessel of Honor classes in the morning. And why isn't this place just as full as, as it is for the Sunday service? Where's the commitment? And I'm not picking on people in that, because I, I know where we're all at in different, in different ways. But, you know, when we're talking to people about Vessels of Honor, those of you that are here on Vessels of Honor, how many times do you sit down or stand up or whatever, but you're talking to somebody and you say, you know, you really should be at Vessels of Honor. Mike's got a great message this week. You know, Dale's going to be up next week and he's going to start to, I don't know who's up, but anyway, whoever's up, he, he's going to be there next week. He's, he has an anointing on him. And if you'd come, you'd really get a chance to hear that anointing. Are you committed to that to encourage people to come to that? Or is it just like, well, you should have been there. You know, let's talk about a Wednesday night. You should be here on Wednesday night. You know, it's taken us like eight months to get through Philippians, but it's been like awesome. <laughs> but you know, somebody might say, it takes that long. I can read that in like an hour. Yeah, but what are you getting out of it? What, what you know, to tell people, you know, Pastor Sean has got, is really dealing down, digging down into the Word in Philippians. He's working into it. And, well, you know, I can watch that online. Oh, that's great. But have you ever noticed there's a little different anointing? You know, actually, it shouldn't, isn't little, it's a lot. This idea of gathering together as like-minded believers, hearing the Word, bringing it in, and visiting with folks, there's something about that versus online. Um, like last Wednesday, we couldn't make it. And uh, so we watched it online. And I found that it was just very easy to hear it over here while I'm doing something over here. Now, if you're doing that, where's my commitment? I mean, I'm hearing the word. I'm hearing what he says. But I, am I engaged? You know, when you, come, when you come in this morning, regardless of who's speaking up here, you come, do you come to be engaged? Because the Word of God should engage us. Jesus wants to engage us. He wants to engage us at everything we do. We want to engage our wives in everything we do because we want them to be part of it and commit to where we're going. See, Pastor Sean and Pastor Heidi have a vision for this church. I'm committed to that. We're going to make it grow. As God leads, we're going to grow. And we're going to go to other places. And we're going to get bigger. But you know what? Every one of you has to be committed to that same vision. This is in the marriage issue, if I say, we are going to, I'm going to take another job, there's an issue where security, right now I've got this job and I've got 10 years in, you know, and another five I'll be in a place to maybe be thoroughly vested, but you know, I, I'm going to take this job. The commitment is, is there trust enough to say, okay, let's hear everything about it. And let's make that move. Or do I just say, you know, I haven't, 
I haven't, uh, or she hasn't been paying attention to me uh, like we haven't been paying attention to the Lord. And I say, well, we're going to go to another job. And it's like, whoa, wait a minute, Jack. I've got this much money coming in, and I've got to spend that much. And can you guarantee that I'm going to have that kind of money? Are we going to do this or do that? See, if I don't build up the trust, how can she come along? You know, I, I can't imagine because I've never had a business, but to start a business and to come together like that, have the vision and the support to come alongside. I've had other people that I've worked for, and she's come under me on those jobs to support me. You know, when I worked shift work all those years, I had to have somebody there to support because mentally that's a challenge. And she had to be there for me in those times. And she had to be there for the kids when she'd say, just leave him alone. Just leave him alone. He'll be all right in another couple, couple days. <laughs> it's true. I would let things bother me or just trying to get my life back in order again. But Jesus has given us every, everything to trust And sometimes we still don't know how to commit to him. But you know one of the first places it really starts? Here. It starts within our families. And then it starts here. Moves to here. Commitment. You know, a guy might commit to a job because it pays him X number of dollars a year. Do we commit to this place because the Lord asked us to? I mean, if you're here, if God has called you to this place, right? What's he called you to do specifically? And that's one of the important parts because sometimes we fill in. Filling in isn't good enough. I mean, we need people to fill in in some of those spots, but are you committed to filling in? Are you committed to doing? Commitment is a, is a, is a tough word. I, I struggle with it because how committed am I to Christ to listen? Because, you know, not everything he tells me is real comfortable to my flesh. And so if it's not comfortable with my flesh, I might say, well, maybe, Lord, but why, you know, why don't you ask Bruce to do that? He's got big shoulders. He can handle that. I'll find, try to find some excuse because I'm not committed. But then, you know, I, I, I should, shouldn't say I'm not committed, but it just I can be that way because I love Jesus and I want to do what's right, but I know my flesh says that's uncomfortable. That'll take time. You know you're going to have to leave the house early. You're going to have to skip something. You're going to have to uh, put off something else that you said you're going to do. But he didn't say I, I was going to make it easy for you. He said, I just need you to do it. And is, is my commitment to him, yes, Lord. You know, I think about the apostles. Can you imagine, I mean, in the Philippians, we're talking about the prison apostles, or the prison uh, letters, but 
to know that you're in prison, you're in chains, you're probably going to die because the Romans weren't known for leniency. They figured the right way to take care of the problem is just hang them up on a cross and, and be done with it. But to write these letters of joy and encouragement to other people, how committed is that? You know? Our lives are so comfortable, it's so hard for us to be committed. I mean, I don't want to be inconvenienced. I got to thinking about this the other day because Josh said something, I think it was, well, my, the battery went out on this. And we got it caught before the service, but he said, yeah, first world problem. <laughs> and I got to thinking about that. First world problem. I need a battery. And there's a whole bunch of batteries back there, just a matter of changing them out. How about a third world problem? Or maybe a first world problem is, well, you know, I can't wear the same shirt two Sundays in a row. I can't wear the same blouse, you know, that I wore last week. Somebody might see that. How about a third world problem like I have one suit? That's it. That's what I come to church in. That's what I may go to work in. And so our commitment level is a whole different thing than people who don't have much. You ever notice that, you know, just like this silly thing here that I just had to silence because I wasn't paying attention. How much time this thing takes? We, are, we as a generation, are more committed to this than we are to the Word of God. We're more committed to this than we are to being at a service. We're more committed to this than we are at serving. How committed was Jesus? You know, I, I thought about this one time. He's in the garden, well, more than once, but I mean, he's in the garden, right? He's in the garden and he's sweating, as it were, great drops of blood. How many of us have ever gotten to that point where we're sweating over something? Nothing's happened yet, but we know something's coming. And we're just in that place of prayer. Oh, if you can let this pass, if you can let this pass. But nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. I am that committed to you that your will be done. And you're sweating and finally you just know it. No, it's his will. And you get up and you walk out and you face the soldiers. And they're going to take you. And you heal one of them. That's a commitment level. I think a lot of us are a little too much like Peter. Not me. Nope, nope, nope. <laughs> I don't know who you're talking about. But Jesus sweat those great drops of blood. And from that point on, he moved his way to the cross. You know, if you were to tell me something bad was going to happen, and I just focused on that, see, that's, that's not hard, but when it gets to that point where it progresses to whipping and crucifixion and death and hell, before glorification. Do we 
do I have enough vision to see whatever I do here is for his glory and my benefit? Or do I get bogged down in the, the martyr? I'm just, I'm just a martyr for Christ. I have to vacuum. <laughs> I have to get up and talk. I have to cook breakfast. Well, every, once a month. Just, But, you know, we can do that. And we get tired of it. Commitment is so important. God's love for us is aggressive. Our love towards him is responsive. That gets to that point where we can commit because his love for us is so great. His love for us is so great. I, it's hard to fathom that love. But to try and take that love towards my wife, to understand his love towards me as his bride. And I need to commit. You know, when you commit, are you all in? Am I all in? That's what we're called to be, is all in. We're not called to be part way in. You can't dip your toe in the water. Mirica can't be a good swimmer by just dipping her toes in the water. She's got to swim laps. She's got to swim lengths. She's got to get in her head that she can be faster. She's got to commit to that. But there's a lot of people who think just because they got in the pool that they're Olympic swimmers. I'm serious. And then the first lap they swim, they're like, no, can't do this because they got lost up here. I'm committed to the Lord Jesus Christ. And I want to do what he's called me to do. And that, I think, is all our goal. To do what he's called us to do. Because if we do that, the kingdom's going to grow. We're going to grow. So I will continue to do my best to love my wife as Christ loved the church. I will be aggressive in it. In that, I expect to receive that responsive love that comes here that shows me how I look at Christ my husband that I can respond to what he says and what he does that I can love him as he called me to love him and I will do that through you and through other people in the world because that's what he's called us to do Thank you for taking the time to listen today. If you would like more information about Faith Family Church, including service times and location, visit faithfamilybillings.com.